Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach Tip of the Day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to the show, and I'm very excited to introduce my next guest. She is Andy Burgess from Challenge U LLC in Liberty, Missouri. And here's here's something different. Andy started uh, a comp- her company, Challenge U, for the purpose of bringing experiential learning to individuals and teams. And she uses ropes course programs and other outdoor experiential, experiential easy for me to say, based programs. And, but Andy's true passion lies in using horses as teachers. And we're going to talk about why horses as teachers specifically make sense as it relates to congruence. So, Andy, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Bill. It's a great pleasure to be here today. Andy, Mike, it's our pleasure. I'm I'm really looking forward to this. I want to. I remember Mr. Ed. Mr. Ed was always a good teacher of the TV show way back when. But tell us about you and and how you um, came to start Challenge You. You know the the short version, um, Bill, is in 1990 I went through a series of personal development seminars and they were very experiential based. Um, took place in a ranch in Northern California and I came out of that series of programs and I said now I know what I'm supposed to do with my life. And it really involved this idea of bringing learning from an experiential-based format instead of, you know, the PowerPoint or the book reading. All of those are valuable, but the true transfer of the learning, I found at least for me, and then as I delivered trainings for a lot of other people, came from really embodying the learning or taking it in at an experiential level. So that was the beginning, and I started putting together programs on the ropes course and, you know, other outdoor-type learning programs for business teams, for individuals. And now, 25 years later, um, here I am with horses. And isn't it great when when life shows you something that you just click in with and you say, that's it, that's that's my purpose, that's my life, and you, I'm, I'll bet you still feel the same way 25 years later. That's a great observation. That was one of the clearest moments in my entire life. See, a lot of our a lot of our listeners, Andy, are saying, "I've been doing something for the last 25 years and or 30 years, and it it hasn't been my my passion, and it's not my passion anymore. And now I want to do something different." So it's wonderful to hear from someone who found that you know it just clicked in at an early at an early time in your life, and that's fantastic. So now, how do you help people um, get involved? Do you work with groups or individuals, or is it all over the map? It's a little bit all over. I think I spend a little more, most of my time working with business teams and groups and companies. Um, I find that the format for them um, speaks to uh, a quick-paced learning, an easy transfer of the learning, kind of an immediate return on their investment, which seems to be more and more important, important for business groups, you know, to justify time away from the office or even investing in any kind of training. So a lot of work with companies and businesses. We also work with couples and individuals that are looking for what's next or trying to, um, you know, figure out what direction they want to go in. Okay. Now, I know our listeners are, are chomping at the bit, <laughs> pun intended, <laughs> and they're wondering, why why horses? What What's so special about using horses as teachers? So tell us uh, what your your findings are there. 
Oh, that's a great question. You know, many people have already been familiar with horses as teachers for more of a therapeutic model. So people, you know, with any kind of emotional, physical, you know, handicaps, there's some great horse programs out there that really speak to that. Most of those are riding programs where people actually show up and ride the horses. Our program is an education-based program, meaning um, it's not for the purpose of therapy, although it still can be very therapeutic for people. And when we open up any of our horse programs, I mean, it's a perfect answer to the question that you just asked, Bill, is we, keep, we tell people right off the bat, we want them to understand why horses as teachers, what makes them such a good, you know, model for what we need to learn. And there's a couple of key things that horses do instinctively and naturally that allow them to be so great as teachers for us, especially in a couple particular areas. So horses in their natural dynamic, you know, out in their herd, in the wild dynamic, they have a couple of things that they bring to their survival. First and foremost, and probably the one we use the most when we work with people around communication is the horse's ability to scan congruence or incongruence in the predator. So horses in the wild are prey. You know, they're eaten by other animals. So let's say the lion that's stalking the herd that's looking for its next meal is what we would call incongruent, emotionally incongruent, meaning inside and outside don't match. So the inside of the lion, they're hungry. On the outside, they're kind of stealthy and stalking. So they're wearing a mask. And the horses actually have the capacity to pick that energy up. They alert the herd and they move to a position of safety. The same lion that's just eaten, walking up to the herd, congruent. Inside, full tummy. Outside, happy. Walks up to the herd. The horses do nothing. So they now, yeah, isn't that fascinating? And there's documentation on that. You know, you could see the National Geographic type programs to really catch that footage. But you take that same horse, they don't lose their ability, their instinctual ability for survival just because we've taken them out of their herd dynamic. So we take that same horse, put a human out in a round pen with the horse, set them up to go in and have a goal with the horse. And the first thing they're doing, the horse is, is they're scanning our energy for congruence or incongruence, and they give us feedback accordingly. So if we kind of flip over to humans, humans are taught to be incongruent, meaning a lot of times, you know, you get to work, you've had a bad morning, the traffic was bad, you had a fight with your spouse, and when you get to work and somebody says how you're doing, you go, oh, I'm fine. And energetically, they they know that there's something off. You've probably had something like that happen before. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm thinking it's like intelligent intuition. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Mm -hmm. So so our our ability to um, incongruence creates anxiety, confusion um, type of a response. So if we're in a relationship and we want to build trust and build relationship to be effective, incongruence actually gets in the way of that. So the horses Mm -hmm. help us recognize congruence, incongruence, just as one component of what they offer us. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. That really, I mean, it really does make a lot of sense. I guess, you know, the other thing that comes to mind is that, that a horse, it, riding a horse, and I, I rode horses when I was younger. My sisters rode horses. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's really a team sport. It's between you and the horse. You work together, and the horse kind of lets you dominate, but has also has the ability to, to make a better decision if, if you're not making a good decision. Um, I could absolutely, yeah. So what we would probably say that I might change a little bit of what you said is the horse actually is a willing partner for us. And in, again, their herd dynamic, they um, tend to work with what we call a consensual model of leadership. 
So it's more of an invitation to lead, an invitation to follow versus a dominance-based style of leadership. So dogs are dominant. You know, the pack leader eats first, Mm -hmm. takes the other dogs down. Horses, it's always for the good of the herd. So, again, when we work with business teams, we kind of create some distinctions about, you know, in the horse herd, they're always looking out for everyone, you know, so everybody gets to move forward as a team, and it's more of a partnership versus a dominance-based organization, and there's some of those out there, you know, and that's not good or bad, but, it's, you know, they work a little differently, so we tend to highlight that with the horses as well. Now, if we relate that back to humans, are humans naturally more like the dog, like a pack leader, or alpha male kind of a thing, or but they can learn a lot from the horses? Is that what we're getting at here? Um, you know, we're more moving in the direction of, you know, there's statistics out there that really speak to this idea of more of a consensual type of a business is more successful, can um, potentially people are happier working in it, than a, well, a dominant business would be the kind that's like, because I said so more of a authority positional type of a, a leadership, um, the military might be considered that. And that's not to say they're not very effective in their, you know, in their strategy and what their purpose is, but people might be more drawn. Southwest Airlines would be considered more of a consensual based mm-hmm. type of an organization. I see. I see. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, so uh, now how does the work with the horses transfer to organization success? How do you do that? So, you know, in all of the experiential formats, you know, some of the, the best opportunity is, is to get the feedback um, to assist us in knowing what really is going on. So let's just say from a team perspective. So if a group of people, a business team, would come out to the property here and do some work with the horses, a couple of things would occur. Um, we would give them each a chance to go into a round pen with a horse with the purpose of achieving a goal with the horse. And let's say when before they go in, we would set them up and we'd say, you know, go in and ask the horse to walk, to trot, to walk again, to turn around and continue to walk. We would teach the person how to speak horse because it's always the recipient is the, uh, as the receiver of the communication, it's always the communicator's job to meet the recipient at the language that they understand. So it's not the horse's job to speak human, it's the human's job to speak horse. And most of our clients are not horse people. So we teach them what they need to know to go in and move the horse, and this is all done on the ground, to go in and move the horse at, at you know, the different gates and to actually co-create the goal with them. So when they go in, and let's say their intent is for the horse to walk, but the horse takes off at a dead run, it's, and then that happens all the time. <laughs> it's not bad horse. It's how did I communicate that you just heard run, even though I intended walk. So the feedback the horse gives us is 100% present, non-judgmental, in the moment, and um, in partnership. So from that feedback, we can coach the participant or the team to make some adjustments while the rest of the team is observing on the outside and then gives feedback as that participant comes out. Now, at the end of the program, we would actually take the whole team, maybe 10 or 12 people, put it in, put them in an arena with one horse and ask them to do the same thing. And now they have to coordinate and collaborate with each other and the horse, getting feedback from the horse the whole time. And so, you know, to take that to organizational success, just that, you know, one or two-day experience of that type of understanding of communication at a different level and getting some feedback can really show up in their day-to-day communication being more effective, 
and having them start to recognize some things that were going on that maybe didn't serve, you know, the, the end or the goals, but they didn't have an awareness of it because it's hard to get feedback from humans in the same way we can get feedback from horses. Now, Andy, I have a question for you because maybe I've watched too many Westerns or John Wayne movies, but uh, <laughs> do, are, do all horses start wild? And, you know, this whole thing about, well, first you need to break the horse. I mean, horses are trained for this behavior to, to work with humans. Are, are they not? Or do, do is there a breed of, do they start now as domesticated? Or how does that start from a, a young, you know, if you get them young, obviously, that's, I guess, they learn as they go. Um, if I understand your question, Bill, and I'm going to take a stab at it, here, all horses have the in, the same instincts to um, to scan energy for survival, to um, to pay attention to um, their their nonverbal, so they're always paying attention to the nonverbal communication. They always have the good of the herd. They play different roles within the herd for the good of the herd. You know, there's things that are just inherent in horses as a species. Um, I think the piece that changes is the way the humans work with them and teach them and handle them. But every horse has the capacity to be a teaching horse. Did okay. I answer your question? Yes, I was just wondering because it seems like uh, before before you can, I mean, everything I've ever seen, before you can ride a horse, you have to break it or train it to to uh, to work with you on, an, on a one-on-one basis to trust. I guess there has to be that trust built in. Absolutely. Is that right? Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Okay. I, I, just, just a, you know, sideline question. But besides companies, who else can benefit from a Challenge U equine learning format? Who else do you work with? We work with, um, like I mentioned earlier, there are a lot of times couples will come out and do workshops and work with um, within their communication and their relationship. Um, there's a couple of the local colleges that use our curriculum as part of, you know, some of the their work and uh, leadership development, a um, lot of different types of businesses. We really don't have any one type of company or business that is better or not. It's just a lot of different types of businesses. We do some work with families occasionally. You know, the family dynamic shows up pretty um, pretty, pretty quickly in the mm-hmm. setting, you know, doing the experiential work. So, you know, I, I actually don't know of a, a group of people or a person that it wouldn't be suited for. Yeah, it's a very interesting concept. And again, shared experiences are are very, very important for people to bond together. And for now, when you see what's happening, um, uh, do you do you modify assignments for people based on the dynamics you see? For instance, in a let's say a family or a, a corporate corporate setting, do you quickly assess what the roles of the people are and, and assign them different tasks based on that? Absolutely. That's probably the distinction of a skilled facilitator, especially, you know, in using animals that are not as predictable as, you know, humans are. So if we, you know, we have our our meeting with the client before the program day and then the client comes out and let's say what we see is different than what we believed in that conversation, we absolutely modify the program to best meet the needs of the group, to support the value, to support their safety, to have them walk away and feel like it was a great use of their time and it was an experience that is useful for their organization. I can imagine because there's a lot of different tasks involved in working with horses. Somebody that needs to learn patience might get the brushing assignment, for instance, (laughs) something like that. (laughs) 
Yeah, this time it's, of year the horses are shedding all their hair, so that person we might just set them up for you know standing there and getting all that hair off of them. Yeah, that would be a great lesson in patience. <laughs> it really is a fascinating concept, and I think it's really interesting. How do our listeners find out more about working uh, with you and with Challenge You? Oh, thank you for asking. Um, the best phone number for me is seven six zero five three five three zero five two. My website is www.challenge and then a dash and the letter u dot com. And email is andy a n d i at challenge dash u dot com. And uh, those are three ways that people can reach out, get some more information, see what we do. We've got workshops scheduled all the time, and I travel all over the United States doing programs for people. So um, we'd love to hear from your listeners. If there's a business owner group, for instance, Vistage, you must speak at Vistage groups, right? I do, yes. Love it. Yeah. And and so you can learn a lot about this. I would imagine you'd come out with some kind of with it, uh, 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 videos and things like that to show people how you work with individuals. But it seems like the real experience would be uh, getting on a plane and going to your your site and really getting getting your hands uh, into it. There, it sounds like a fascinating experience. It is, and and really that's exactly it, Bill. It's getting people to actually be in the experience. It's challenging to put on paper the value that people actually have when they, you know, come out and do the work with us. So um, come on out. Sounds great, Andy. Thank you very much. I appreciate you joining us today, and I'd love to follow up with you later because I know there's other types of programs you work with as well. Uh, So let's get together sometime in the near future and and, uh, talk again about this uh, in more detail. Um, Thank you. I look forward to it, and um, we'll be in touch. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this, so please stay with us. Does thinking about what will happen to your business if you're gone keep you awake at night? Will you get the price you need from your business to carry you through retirement? The BEI Network of Exit Planning Professionals is the world's leading advisor network with the power to help business owners transition out of business on their own timeline and terms. Ask your most trusted advisor to create a BEI plan for you or visit us at ExitPlanning.com. That's ExitPlanning.com. You're listening to ExitCoachRadio.com, the information station for age 50-plus business owners, where we're interviewing top advisors for their best tips, ideas, and precautions. So you can be well planned. We upload new one minute tips every day. ExitCoachRadio.com. Come listen for a minute. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 